Let's give the Lord a hand this morning for awesome worship, man. Awesome. Hey, I want to say, if you're a guest, we're really honored that you decided to worship with us, and I'm really pumped up about today. I want to tell you, I, I really wanted to do this message on Easter, and then I got to do that filming in Israel, and I was like, no, it'll be awesome week two, I hope, so uh, we'll wait, but I'm, I'm really passionate about today, so I need to jump right in, and we need to rock and roll and get going, because I got a long way to go and a short time to get there, if y'all are with me, so, but seriously, if you decided to worship with us, whether you're a guest or you've been coming here for since we started. We're honored that you're here with us. How many of y'all remember, and, and if you're a teenager, you're like right in the middle of it, okay? But how many of y'all remember what it was like to like know who the cool people were in school and wish that you were one of the cool people? Just raise your hand. And if that's not, some of y'all are lying, because I know y'all, and y'all weren't the cool people. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I might need to remind y'all what that meant. Like, popular, right? That's what y'all used to use, because I never said that. Wink. But like, Like, this is what it was like. And so if you don't remember this or you were popular, I didn't like you. But, like, Like, this is what it was like. Like, we knew who the popular people were, and so we would do anything that it took to get that way. Y'all remember? That means talk. Do y'all remember? Right? So this is what that means. It means that when you go to the Masters on Thursday that you accidentally get the shirt that matches the shoes come on. Like, that's the favor of the Lord, right? So I wasn't planning on wearing these shoes again for a while, and I was like, Leah, this was this morning. I need y'all to know this is the favor. It matches the shoelaces because we couldn't find anything. She just said, get a blue shirt. that It'll look good with yellow. I was like, okay. Because if I could get that back in the day, right, people would think that I was cool. Okay, none of y'all think that I'm cool. So that was this it's an epic fail, right? Someone thought I was two people. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So I'm popular with y'all, but the rest of y'all I'm not. But, like, think about it. Like, this is really what we thought. Maybe, maybe it's just me, and it's cool if it is, but y'all are lying if, it, if it's just me. All right. But, like, it was this. Even if you grew up with much, and I was blessed. I'm telling you, we were blessed growing up. But people didn't know my family because my family's from Buffalo, New York, and Akron, Ohio, my mom and dad. So, like, <laughs> congratulations, you're a Buffalo Bills fan. You, you live in misery your whole life, right? So like, no, and no one knows anything about us. Our family isn't like, we don't have a heritage in this community. And so people don't look at me and go, that's what's his head. Who, who his dad is, what's his head. And his daddy's daddy's what's his head. And like, everybody knows everybody. And so you're just on the right side of the road. And so you're awesome, right? And I'm not, it's, that's everywhere. That's every community. If you matter, it's because of who you are, where you come from, or what kind of stock you are. Now, I come from big stock, right, but not the right one. So when I'm in eighth grade, true story, when I'm in eighth grade, I was a little chubby. And truth be told, I get a little chubby sometimes now, kind of like Oprah. I can lose 50, gain 50, lose 50, gain 50, lose 50, gain 50. That's so far in my life that that, that, that's happened because I've got talent on both ways, especially the gain, because you just can't eat if you want to lose it. But, like, I'm good at the gain and weight thing. And when I was in eighth grade, I I I wasn't really short. But I was short for me, short, you know, like I think I was 5'8", and I was a little bit big. And so, like, and I wasn't at all athletic. I promise you, this is the truth. I couldn't touch the net in the eighth grade, and I dunked for the first time in the ninth grade. That's a long distance of, of, to make up. But I lost 15 pounds, and I grew seven inches. 
That's a lot. None of y'all even reacted. Seven is a lot. Like your knees right here start hurting really bad when you grow seven inches. And here was, here was what I thought. I'm just going to be honest. This has nothing to do with the message. If I grow seven more, I'll be close to seven feet tall, and I'm going to play in the NBA. And then this is what God said. Then I stopped growing because I didn't grow much more after that. But, like, I went from the kid that I had a couple friends to, oh, dude can play some ball. We could talk to him. Right? And then I thought, okay, I see how this works. <laughs> I'm going to keep working and getting better at ball. And then I started thinking maybe I need to buy better clothes, you know. Like, I didn't know you weren't supposed to wear sweatpants with Buffalo Bills on the side that was painted by your aunt, right? <laughs> huh? I thought that was the favor because the Bills were balling back in the day. And it's been since then that they've been balling. A really long time ago, back in 94. But anyway, like, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It's funny. But the rest of you, that's not funny. But, like, I just was convinced. Listen to me. This is y'all. And this is me. I was convinced that if certain things could happen in my life, that I would fit in and I would feel good. And, like, that's what would make me happy. I'm telling you. Honest to God, that's what I thought. And then we're like, that's a shame that teenagers feel that way. And we're full of hockey. You know what I mean? We're full of crud because that's us today. If I could just get this, Pastor Mark, like if I could just get this in my life, I would be happy. If, if this thing would just happen, I could feel free and I could feel really happy. If I could have this breakthrough at work, this breakthrough in my life, this, if I could just get this one more thing. If I could, if I could have grown seven inches, bro, I'm, I'm five foot four inches. I just wanted to be five seven. I wanted to be six seven. I stopped two inches short. That's not fair, right? Everybody wishes they were something. And there's some people like, nope, I don't. I just don't really believe you. Down at the end of the day, if we, if we just cut all the crap in your life and we, just, and we just got to the bottom line, there's something that you wish you did better. And that's not necessarily, listen, unhealthy, but it is unhealthy when we believe we don't matter completely because if I could just. Or here's the even deeper part. Then it goes to when I get what I wish I had, then I can buy my way out of anything. You know what I mean? Like, I, I shouldn't have to do certain things or be certain things because look who I am. And so it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, I wish I had more so I could be. And on the other hand, when I get what I wish I was, then I am so I don't have to be. And it's, it's ridiculous. It's a, it's a never-ending cycle because ultimately we believe that we're defined by what we wish we were or what we think we should be or what you are that I wish I was. Can I just tell you the truth? If you walk away with something, please walk away with this. One thing. Walk away with this. God loves, I want you to say this out loud when I point the microphone at you. God loves, God loves you just the way that you are. Right where you sit, God loves you. And he doesn't love the you that you wish you could be, the you that you wish you could become, or the you that you wish you were. He doesn't think, man, if that dude just had a little bit more, I'd honor him. If that dude was just a little taller, or he was a baller, he had a girl who looked good, he would call her. If he had a rabbit in a hat, what about a 6'4 father? Nobody? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a... Thank you, Justin. Only one person remembers that song. Only one person. That hurts my feelings that y'all aren't 90s people, right? <laughs> that was a great song. But that's kind of who we were. We wish we were anything but us. God loves you just where you are. 
And he gratefully, gratefully, gratefully loves you and anoints you and blesses you. But we're convinced we need to be something else. So here's a story I want to tell you all today. There was a, a prophet of God who, he's one of my favorite prophets. His name's Elisha. And he came right after Elijah. Elijah's the dude that called fire down from heaven and defeated the prophets of Baal and threw 850 dudes in this pit after they got rid of them. It was awesome. And then he, he, he prayed and God brought the rain back. I think it's the greatest story that he ever did. He, they called him the rainmaker. It was so cool. And one day God was like, you know what? I want you to, to start mentoring this dude named Elisha. I don't even think he knew why, but this one day he's, he's teaching Elisha how to do stuff, and then he just got brought up in a chariot and went to heaven and never died. Am I the only one that thinks that's pretty awesome? Like, I would have liked to have seen that. That's really cool. But then you got Elisha, and Elijah was called the greatest prophet ever, and Elisha was called even greater. So he's greater than great. He's awesome, right? And this dude is one of my favorite because he was crazy. Now, some of y'all have heard me say this before, but in chapter 2 of 2 Kings, these little kids are making fun of him, and he's like, all right, <laughs> y'all keep tripping. Bears, go eat them. And bears come out from the woods, and they eat him. Now, some of y'all don't think that's awesome, okay? I'm just telling you, you ought not talk junk to the prophet of God because the bears will come out of the woods and eat you, and I think that's really cool, all right? I, all of y'all are like, this dude is crazy. I don't think we should laugh, but maybe... Maybe he'll call the bears. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't have bears. I'm not calling them. I just think he was a funny cat. And if you see bald people, I recommend based on 2 Kings chapter 2. Don't make fun of their baldness because that's what they were doing. So I love all the bald people in the room. Don't call the bears, all right? And then in chapter 3, like the, all these cool stuff's happening. Chapter 4 is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture because the Shunammite woman who, who was not supposed to have a baby has a baby. And then he gets sick, and Elisha's the one that foretold it would happen. And he gets sick, and he's laying there lifeless, and God brings him back through Elisha. And then it's the story of the jars that we put on our wall and we talk about, and that if, if we open our hearts and take off the lid and keep adding jars, God keeps bringing the anointing until we run out of jars because he never runs out of his grace. It's such an awesome thing. And then you get to chapter 5. There's this dude named Naaman. And he's second in command in all of Syria. Second in command in all of Syria. And this, this entire chapter is about him. Second in command in all of Syria. And I just want you to consider us just for a second. Consider your life just for a second because this is what this dude had. He had what's called leprosy. And some of y'all have heard of it. All of you have probably heard of it before, but it's much different context back then. Imagine the worst horrible thing you can possibly picture. And then there's leprosy that's worse. Leprosy tore your skin with boils and awful cuts, and most of the time, if not every time, you lost limbs, starting with fingers and toes. You lose arms. It was horrendous, but here's what was really bad. If Justin on the front row had boils or whatever, and I knew he had leprosy, and he touched me, I had leprosy. And so if, if this cat right here had it, he had to declare to everyone in the village, unclean, I'm not worthy of being here. This is ultimately what that meant, what it literally translated. I am dead walking around like a zombie, and if I touch you with what I have, you're gone. You're in trouble. You're going to be with me as an outcast. The only thing I can picture is if y'all grew up the same time as I wish I was a little bit taller, 
when Magic Johnson got the HIV virus in 1991, do y'all remember the outrage and the craziness? And like, it changed everything. It changed, it changed what people thought about it. it changed. But right when it happened, I remember NBA players getting on, being interviewed, saying, I'm not playing in the NBA if that dude is, because we thought if it touched, right, or if, if you sweated wrong, that you could get HIV, which ultimately became AIDS. And we were scared to death of it. I'm not saying I want it today. We just know a whole lot more about it. We can treat it. Back in the day, it was scary. And y'all remember this year when Ebola came out to Dallas? I was flying to Israel, I think three days after it got to Dallas, and everybody was like, bro, it's in the airport. You can't go to Dallas. And I'm like, I mean, if I get Ebola, I'm going to die somehow. You know, I'm just going to have to go because I got the plane tickets and we're going. But, like, people, some of y'all, I'm not going to call you by name unless you want me to, but, like, some of y'all were the ones that were like, you can't do it because we freak out over stuff like that. And, listen, if Ebola spread rapidly, we should freak out. You know what I mean? Because it's zombie nation. It's going to be crazy. But, but it was much worse than anything we can picture because you were literally a dead person walking, and it's not only a miserably painful process, it's deeper than that because you were an outcast. And it didn't matter who you were. Listen to me right here. Lock in. It doesn't matter who you are today in this room. Equally, we are outcasts. We are equally far from God until we receive Jesus Christ. We are equally dead people walking. We're equally lepers that walk around and say, unclean! I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I'm not worthy of any of this stuff because I have leprosy, but it's not your outside that has it. It's your inside because we're dead people walking outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's literally no different. And this is what we do, like, like this story that we're about to read. We believe that based on what we've done, who we are, what we can buy our way out of or anything gets us to God or gets us favor or gets us somewhere, and it's nothing to do with that. And it's amazingly beautiful and frustrating all at the same time because I should get credit, and that's not what it's about. It's about grace. It's about being raised to life. It's about you were dead, and now you're alive. So this dude, Naaman, was second in command in all of Syria, and Syria was a superpower, guys, huge back in the day. It was Israel, and it was them, and it was a few other places. And at this time, they were more powerful than Israel. He was the chief of all of the armies and number two in all of Syria. And this is the story. Look at this, 2 Kings chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, please go to our next steps and we will give you one. 2 Kings chapter 5 says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, number two in command this dude, was so important, was a great man with his master and in high favor. Dude could come as he wants, go as he wants, do anything. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. So through this dude's leading, they had had many victories, and he was a mighty man of valor. I don't know how many times in Scripture a person is called a man of valor, but it's very few. But obviously this dude, when he walked in the room, you looked that way because Naaman's in here. You know what I mean? Like he, this dude mattered. He was awesome. And we would all recognize this guy. But this last little line in verse 1 says, but... And this is not like a, but, no big deal. This is like, you pretty much need to not worry about this top part because dude was a leper. Dude was a leper. If you're not familiar, this is what leprosy looks like. We're going to go quick. 
I did the best I could. We did the best we could to make it not disgusting. But you can see my man's hands right here. He's lost his fingers. He's lost his right leg. He's, he's just torn up. And that's a really kind, gentle picture of leprosy because it's much worse. So this says, but this was Naaman. This man of valor, this man of might, this man that when he walked into the room, you looked at him and said, I wish I was that. I wish that was me. That dude is awesome. That's what he looked like and probably worse. And so all of his favor and stature and what he was and what he knew he was and why he knew he deserved was kind of just walked away because he was a dead man walking. Verse 2. It says, now, the Syrians on one of their raids, on one of their conquests, when they were going to attack people and take people, on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. And so just picture this. This is one of the little Israelite girls. They had taken her when they, when they take, took a bunch of land, and in his home, because this was one of his wife's servants, lived an Israelite. And so here's what happened. She said to her mistress, wouldn't that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria? I'll translate that for you. Dude is in Samaria, and he can help him out. He's an Israelite, but he's a prophet of God. Can I tell you about this? He would cure him of his leprosy. Now, if you have leprosy, let me promise you, because I still haven't given you enough of how bad it is. You'd do whatever it took to make this happen. I promise you would do whatever it took to make this happen, because it's bad. It's, you're the man of valor, and you're a dead man walking. You're a woman of valor, and you're a dead woman walking. You are. People look at you, and they say, you're done. It doesn't matter. You're out. You're out of grace. And so this is what he did. Verse 4 says, Naaman went in and told his Lord, this is the king. He's, and listen, to, to approach the king, you had to have high favor. You, were, you could be killed right on the spot. And he walked in and says, thus, and so spoke to the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go. Bro, if this is going to work, let's do this thing right now. Go. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So you just think about this. This is what I thought of when I read this. Like, if you're going to do something big, you want to, like, if y'all are signing up and, or, excuse me, going to get a job, you're filling out your resume, you get the best people you know with the most clout to give you that highest recommendation. You know what I mean? The king is a good recommendation, right? That's really good. If you go to work for the government, I don't care if you like this dude or don't like this dude. If you have the president of the United States as a person recommending you for a high-ranking job in the government. You got a good shot to get it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that even if you don't like him, it doesn't matter. If Wherever you stand with the president, if you work for the government and that dude says, I think dude should have a job, man, that was, that was my Obama's best I could do. Like, but, but you're like, I think, I think this dude should get that job. You get the job. It's really good. Well, he had a letter from the king. And at that time, there was tension with Israel and Syria. And he says, and so just, I just want you to picture, Israel has defeated Syria. And the king says, I need you to do this for me. You do what he says. And so he went, taking with him, you don't need to miss this because this is a lot, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And this isn't like my changes of clothing. This is fine, expensive, crazy change of clothing. By, by today's coin, I just, this is a lot. He brought at least $3.5 million with him in his little horse carriage. So just imagine having a briefcase. You're coming to talk to the prophet of God. You've got this problem. You're like, 
click, 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 right? You're opening all the briefcases. You're like, check this out. I brought this for you. You're welcome. Click, click, right? Look what I did. I'm awesome. Naming, <laughs> right? You're welcome that I came to you. And I'm bringing three and a half million dollars to you because I need you to know I matter. And I'm awesome. And maybe it's just me because I can tell that some people's not connecting. But I just really believe that we believe this about ourselves. That if we do enough, or if we ask enough, or we think enough, or we're good enough, that then God's impressed. Oh, my bad. I didn't realize you were going to bring three and a half million dollars to the party. I now bow before you, Naaman. And I, I just really believe that that's me a lot of times. That I look at God and say, God, check this out, bro. Look what I did for you. It's just amazing how much he's not impressed. But this is what happened. The king gets this letter. And in verse 6, he freaks out. He, he says, brought the letter to the king of Israel, which he read. And when he read the letter, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you, naming my servant, that it may cure his leprosy. And so he's got all this information and all this money. And then this is what happens. This is what happens. Verse 7. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. Anytime that happened, anytime they tore their clothes, they put sackcloth and ashes on themselves, and it was a declaration that it is a horrible thing has happened. A high-ranking person died. War is coming on them. It was a horrible thing. And right here, he knew that it was fixing to go down. Because check this out. If the number two, the man of valor, if this awesome guy is not healed after they've asked and they've been told that it can happen, they're going to attack Israel. This isn't like, Ah, it's no big deal. Just don't do it. This is like a declaration of war. You either do this or it's on like Donkey Kong because they said you could do it. And if you withhold, we'll see because we'll attack you because you're not taking care of ours. And he said, am I God to kill and to make alive? Like, do you want me to raise from the dead and to bring, put people down? And that this man sends word to me to, a, to cure a man with leprosy. I can't cure them. They have leprosy. People in our, this, this, this state of Israel, they have leprosy. And you come from Syria. You come 90, 100 miles to get to this point when you're not even to the point that he's going to tell them to go. And, and you think that I can do something about it. This is bad. And then he says, only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. You're trying to declare war. And you knew that there's one thing that I had no control over, and that's what you did. So the king is freaking out. And the king's like, I can't do anything about this. And then this is what 8 says. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, and Elisha is the prophet, remember? The prophet of God, the one that did greater things. And he says, why have you torn your clothes, bro? I added, bro, you're welcome. Like, calm down. Like, take a chill pill. Take a Valium. Go have one of your king things that you do and just sit in your chair. And let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. I love that line. It's not about you, king of Israel. It's not about anything else. It's about let him know that there is a prophet that can do this thing in Israel. So send him to me now. And he wasn't with him. And this time he went off and he said, tell him to come to me. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Many times we think that we should just be able to come to God and everything should be good, right? Bro, I, I did my thing this week, and I even did what the person said that the prophet would ask me to do. And I went to Israel, and then they're going to make me go somewhere else. It's so dumb. Don't we do that? God, why, for real? 
Because I just really think that we get frustrated when God puts us out of our own comfort zone because it's all about me. My life revolves around me. And if I don't get to do what I want to do, and I don't get to do with my stuff what I want to do with my stuff, and I don't get to do with my time what I want to do with my time, I look at God and say, who do you think you are, bro? I'm the God of this universe. And that's what Naaman was struggling with. Because I think at this time, I can just picture him. He's getting frustrated. He definitely gets frustrated in a minute. He's like, bro, for reals? Here we go. There's a prophet in Israel. Tell him. Verse 11. Still verse 11. (laughs) But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought he, he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over this place and cure my leprosy. Like, shouldn't it be that easy? Like, is, is, it, is it really that big of a deal? Go back. I'm sorry, Josh. So Naaman came with, with the horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. I love to see 11, though, because that's us. It says, why can't you just wave the wand and fix everything? So he went up. And I just want y'all to picture three and a half million dollars, all the stuff. And he says, check this out. I've got all these people with me. Look at who I am. Like, don't we want the grand entrance sometimes so people know you arrive at the, at the party? Like, I've got my entourage with me. <laughs> y'all come on in. I, I think even though he had leprosy, I think he was walking with a strut. He might have had a cane and a strut, but, but he was doing something because I think he wanted everybody to know he had arrived. And I bet it was a show when he showed up. And it's Elisha sent his messenger to him saying, go and wash. Elisha sent his messenger. Don't miss this. He didn't even go, go talk to him. Like, can y'all picture that? Who do you think you are, bro? I'm naming. I matter. You don't send a messenger to me. You come talk to me. I matter. The pastor didn't even talk to me. For real? This dude? Who does he think he is? I, I'm somebody. I deserve his time. This is ridiculous. <laughs> he says, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. And your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. I'm just telling y'all, I love verse 11 because I believe this is us. I believe this is us. I apologize for earlier, now 11 again. Naaman was angry and went away saying, I thought you'd just come out and go, isn't that kind of us? You know what I mean? And call on this dude that you call Lord and, 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 and you can just fix everything because he's a genie and he's awesome and, and he just fixes all your problems. And wave his hand over the leper. And he got mad. He went away angry. Guys, I just think that's us. And I want to tell you a story real quick of what I think we miss out on, okay? If you walk away and you think that this is about me, I'm going to be really frustrated because everything about this has nothing to do with me or even my wife, who's awesome, and I'm grateful. But this has nothing to do with us, and this is bragging on Jesus. But I want to give you a testimony of what happens when you listen to what God says and you do it not understanding. Because here's the deal. Naaman didn't understand why to go dip seven times, and we don't either. And God's not asked you to dip seven times, but God's asked you to do something, and there's always option B. And it's I can just go back and they can treat me and I have millions of dollars and they can make it work or whatever it is in your life. And there's always another option, always. 
There's God's way and there's my way all the time. So here's, here's the story. I'm going to do it really quick. Most of y'all know that I did that fast. Thank the Lord Jesus I'm eating now. And make sure God tells you to do that, by the way, because it's not a good idea not to eat. But on the second day of the fast, I really felt like the Lord was wanting me to do something. We had turned in our tax return money. I told y'all this back then, but if you're new, um, I really felt pressed that God wanted me to do more than just a tithe. Just 10% is what a tithe is. On that tax return, I was like, all right, cool. What do you want me to do? I had no intentions going in. I'm just praying. What do you want? I'm not saying thus says the Lord happened in my life. I'm saying I believe God said. Do you trust me with all of it? I was like, sure. <laughs> it's all yours anyway, you know. And this is a legitimate way the conversation went down. I, I wasn't extremely reverent with candles on on my face before God. I'm sitting at a desk. And I honestly wrote this in my journal. I was looking through it earlier, and I said, I'm honored that you would ask, and I don't know why. <laughs> I'm kind of freaked out a little bit because I had planned on paying Leah's car off. And we were going to have no debt other than one other student loan in my house. And that was what we've been working on really hard. So you're messing up my plans, God. But then I never considered that again and just said, I'm honored, you know. And I can't wait to see what you do. And this is crazy. The amount doesn't matter. But we did it. And um, so fast forward. By the way, I just need to tell you this. I never prayed God do a miracle out of that for us because I wanted God to increase it here. And that was my prayer. And please don't think of me as like, holy, holy, because that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, please don't miss this. We miss miracles every single day of our lives because we do it on our terms and not on God's terms. And then we expect God to do it on our terms and then bring the miracle and the desires of our heart are the desires of our heart and not the desires of his heart where he's replaced our heart as I talked about last week. And then we say things like, why is God not blessing me? <laughs> I thought about washing in the Jordan seven times, God. I didn't, but, I mean, I prayed about it. And, or we don't even hear from God because it's all about us because we're the God of our own universe. And so I never prayed one time God do a miracle in my own life because I didn't even think about it. I, I, had, I had systematically made a way where we could pay the car off this year, and it was awesome, right? I never look at the mail. Leah's really good at looking at the mail, organizing it, because she knows I'll lose it. And so Wednesday, I just happen to get the mail. I go in the house. I open our car bill up, and I, it, it's automatic draft every, I think it's the 24th of the month. So I was just like, I want to know. I want to see how much we owe. I see the exact amount. And I'm like, huh, it's pretty awesome. We can do this thing. I didn't think at the time, till Friday, I didn't think, dang, we could have paid that off with some room to spare. I thought, that's awesome. We can do this thing. And I just kept going. Didn't think anything about it. <clears throat> I get a call, um, or I get a text message Thursday late, and it's from a good buddy of mine, and he has a, a tough meeting and dealing with the area of honor, and obviously God's dealt with me a lot in that. Can we talk Friday? And I said, sure. We talked for about an hour. It was awesome. Um, a situation he's going to take care of, a tough meeting, how to still honor them. It was fantastic. And at the end of it, he said, for this reason, and it doesn't matter why, I believe God told me to pay your car off. And there were so many things in that time, and I wish I could tell you details, but I'm not going to. There were so many things that were that were testimonies of God's will that he knew stuff that he shouldn't know and that I hadn't shared. And I was just like, like the pollen came into my office right in there, and I started tearing up. You know what I mean? Like I was like, this is crazy. 
I don't know why I'm crying right now. But then I was just blown away. But this is what I didn't want you to miss. I'm praying these crazy prayers for our church right now, and it's embarrassing. I'm not even going to share with you how big they are because they're big. They're lifelong prayers, but they're big. I'll just tell you, it's a billion-dollar prayer, and it has nothing to do with a building. It's missions around the world. It's God seeing more. I don't even mind telling you. And this is what God told me. I swear to you, God is my witness. This is what God told me at 10.30 a.m., me sitting in the room. He said, you just be faithful with what I've done with you right now. Now, y'all can think that things happen by accident. That's cool. I got some beachfront property in Nevada, too. And it's, we'll just go three and a half million since that's what uh, Naaman had, and we'll just call it even, right? Because it's nice beachfront property. I just don't think God does things by accident, and I think he does everything on his timing. And I think he let me see that on Friday or on Wednesday. I would have had no idea. Honestly, I don't know. I don't care. It's going to get paid off. It's cool, right? And he let me see Psalm 43 on Friday morning and gave me that word. And I tweeted it out. And I said, that's good. I needed to be reminded of that. I'm going to tell the world, be faithful with what God's done with you today or you'll never be faithful when you have much. And then two hours later, God just brings the rain in my life. And I'm like, seriously? And the question I had isn't, why did it take you so long? But why me? You know, like I, I haven't done anything. And I immediately thought of this message because I'd already preached. And he said, nope, but you did dip in the Jordan seven times. I didn't do anything amazing, guys. If you walk away and you say, Pastor Mark is so awesome, he gave his whole. No, I didn't. I just listened to God and did what he said. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's not about us. It's not about an amount. But I really believe that we look at God, and some of you right now are saying, why has no one paid my car off instead of what can I do for God? Because we miss the whole point. We miss the whole point of God. It's not about me. It's not about the car. It's not about your money. It's not about your time. It's about God and you. It's about what God has asked you to do with your life and about what we do when we look and say, I thought that you would just wave a wand. Look who I am, God. Why are you asking more of me? You know what's crazy? This is free, not part of the message, but it's crazy. In the church today, and y'all have heard this before, this is just like in life, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. You hear that all the time. You're like, yeah, but 20% of the people make the money. That's oftentimes not who gives the money. God doesn't ask for all, many times at all. He just asks for a little tiny portion, and it's all already his. And money's not what this is about. It just happens to be what I believe American people hold on to the tightest. For many of you, it's your kids. God, you can have everything, but you can't have my kids. They're not your kids. They're his. God, you can have everything, but you can't have my spouse. It's not your spouse. You've been entrusted, men, to be the leader of your home, but it's not yours. She is God's beautiful, beautiful daughter. And you've been entrusted to lead her. But what we do is say, just wave your wand and fix everything. Do it my way. And then why, God, are you not blessing me? Well, because he can't trust you with his blessings. Here's the point. How many miracles has Pastor Mark missed in his life? We can't celebrate miracles because we look and say, why not me? 
No, this is what I ask. What else? What can I do? What, what, what will you trust me with? I want to give millions of dollars away. I don't want millions for me. And I'm not saying I wouldn't keep some. I'm saying, God, trust me. Let's do more. And he says, no, just, just do what you can do today. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about everything else. Just do what I've given you today. Be trustworthy with today. Stop worrying about everybody else around you. Stop worrying about wishing that you had their blessing. Stop wishing everything else. Just be trustworthy with today. And so many of us hold on and say, no. But God, it's got to be my way. That's stupid, Jordan. That's ridiculous. It's muddy truth. It's murky. There's catfish the size of a disgusting boat. Why would I go in that water? Listen to what he says. This is the truth. This is what he says. Are not these two rivers that are right in my hometown that aren't 150 to 200 miles away, are not those rivers better? They're clear. Let me do it my way, right? Is this not us? I want to do it my way, God. I'm tired of your way. This is ridiculous. I'm the boss. I'm just coming to you so you can wave your wand. I come to God all the time and just just want that to happen. I, I, I show up. You're welcome. Stop asking for more, God. I'm not cool with this. I know you came and died on a cross, and I know you took away my shame and all that stuff, but this this whole, like, extra stuff. It's as simple as listening to God and doing what he says. It's so funny that this dude thinks he's important, right? Because I I really wish I could take out the name Naaman and put it in the name Mark. Because this is my testimony. This is me. I sat in bed last night. And I just, I just cried, man. Leah was asleep, and I just said, I was trying so hard not to cry. God, how many times have I missed your miracles because I didn't honor you? With all of me, realizing that it's never been about me. Could I not just wash and be clean in these? And so he turned and walked away in rage. But here's the beauty that happened. His servant girl came near and said, My father, it is great word. The prophet has spoken to you. Will you not just do it in the act? He actually has said to you, wash and be clean. I'm actually saying to you now, wash and be clean. Stop holding on to the things that you're holding on to and believing that it's about you. It's never been about you. I know you don't understand everything that's happened in your past, all the hurts and all the insecurities that you have in your life, but it's never been about you. It's been about the one that came to take your place. And just because you don't get what God's asking you to do doesn't mean that it's not amazing and beautiful. And his reign in your life, it's not about you. It's not about what you wear. It's not about where you come from. It's not about how tall or short you are. It's not about what you wish you were. He made you beautifully and wonderfully just like he meant to do. Wash and be clean. Wash and be clean. And here's what he did. Here's what he did. So he went down and dipped himself seven times. He did exactly what the prophet of God said. He said, let's do this thing. I'm going to do it seven times. And he went in the water, went in the water, went in the water seven times according to the word of the man of God. And after his flesh, think about the pride that was in his life. I'm not having to do this. Who do you think you are and who do you not know that I am? And when he finally said, it's not about me, I'm going to do what the prophet of God said and I'm going to live that way. It's crazy. Because his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. And I just laid in bed, and I'm reading over this, and I'm going, man, seriously, it's not about money. If you walk away and say, Pastor Mark, praise God, here's what I said, and I want you to say the same thing. Pastor Mark, how many times have you missed what God has in your life? 
because you got mad because something else happened to someone else before it happened to you and you believe that it should have happened to you or because you listened to what God said and you were like, no, there's no way you're calling me to do that. <laughs> That's got to be someone else. I'm not called to do that. And we constantly believe it's someone else's calling and never believe that we were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We were called to something bigger than we believe that we were called and we never reach our destiny that God has in our lives because we constantly say, now this river's better. Now seven times is dumb. Now that's too far. We never even consider asking him, what is it for me? And so salvation never comes to our home because we say this life is mine and I get to control everything in it. Can I just tell you what we are? Unclean. Unclean. But look, I've got money. I've got possessions. I matter. I matter so much because of who I am, but I'm unclean. I'm a misfit. I'm, I'm not in this place. I'm a misfit. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And that's inward because outside you're putting on your fancy clothes and your chariot comes in and you think you matter. And you do matter to God, but to God you matter because of who you are, not what you wear, not the the cavalry that you come in with. And here's why. Romans. Romans chapter 4 says he was delivered over to death, Jesus, for our sins, for everything that you've done, for everything that you're trying to cover up so no one sees how unclean you are, that you're a dead person walking. You don't have to keep covering it up. You don't have to keep covering up. You don't have to pretend that you've never done it. We've all done it. Everybody's jacked up. Everybody is best up. It's not about what you do. It's not about bringing a bunch of money. It's not about bringing anything like this. It's all about Jesus. And he was raised to life for our justification. That means just as if you never sinned. Right now, right now, this is the call. I'm going to show you a verse in the message version, and it like jumped off the page to me, and it just like my heart started beating fast, and I was like, this is so good. I, why didn't I see this before? I've used Romans 10, 9, witnessing to people I don't know how many times, and I never saw this. Here's the declaration. I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. I'm not, this is not a prayer. You're not going to bow your head. In front of everybody at the end of this, I'm just going to say, raise your hand, because I believe this is the most beautiful thing I've ever read for salvation. Watch. Say the welcoming word to God. Say this word. Jesus is my master. Don't say I believe in what you did. Don't say I think you might have died. Say Jesus is my master embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us. Listen, this is amazing. What he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That he pulls you and all your dead and the clothes that you're trying to cover it up with and the three and a half million dollars and everything else. And he says, no, 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 it's not about that. Just dip in that Jordan River seven times and you'll be raised to life by trusting me, making me my master. That's it. That's it. That's it. You're not doing anything. It's not about you. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. That's salvation. Guys, that's, that's awesome. And that's some of you in here right now. Because the truth is you've held on your whole life. And it's time for you to be raised to life. And so with everybody looking in the first service, we had two and it was amazing. I just want you to raise your hand right where you sit and say, Pastor, that's me. And I believe there's people in here, but if you don't do it, that's between you and God. I just want you to throw your hand up, not on the count of three, but right now. And say, Pastor Mark. This is what I need. This is what I need. If that's you, I'm going to give you about five seconds. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Thank you. Who else? 
Who else? Say, Pastor Mark, I need to be raised to life. I need to be raised to life. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else will say, bro, that's me. That's, I'm a dead man walking. I'm a dead woman walking. And I'm tired of living this way. And I realize that it's not about what I bring to the table, but what God already did with the table. And he split that thing in half when he took on death and hell. Man, it's not about me. If you walk away here and you say, man, Pastor Mark, God help you. It's all about Jesus, man. Here's what I'm hoping for. Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for an army of people that are alive. You know what I mean? Like it, an army of zombies doesn't sound really fun. <laughs> Because I'm just telling you, when we're an army of people that are alive, we're going to look out and we're going to say, we got to be a hospital. we got to set up the tent. we got to go get people because they're dead people walking all around us. And instead of what happened with leprosy where they push people out, like many churches do today, and it's not about one church, and I'm not bashing the church. I love the church. But instead of saying, no, you don't look the part. No, you're missing something. No, you don't have what you need. We bring them in and say, guess what? We've got the cure. And it's amazing. And it's not about us. It's about the one that saved us from our sins. Guys, it's never been about money. It's been about the fact that your money's not yours. It's God's. It's never been about your time. It's been about the fact that God gives everything, and it's a get-to, not a got-to. And that's what changes. He's going to give you the desires of our heart when you're, when you're got to do it becomes get to do it because then he can trust you with more. And so this is what I'm asking you to do. You're welcome to stay in your seat. You're welcome. Please don't lie. But if you want to see God do more in your life right now, we're going to sing maybe my favorite song right now. I blast it every day. For the Lamb has overcome most high and lifted up. And I want you to stand up if this is your declaration to God and say you are worthy of honor. You are worthy of praise. We're going to lift our voices and we're going to shout that you're alive in Jesus Christ, that it's not about me that it's about the one that saved me. So stand if that's you. Don't stand if, if you don't want to stand, but stand if that's you and say, this is all about Jesus.